Hello, this is Kevin McMullen, Senior Pastor of Independence Christian Center. Thanks for joining us as we break the bread of life today. Our prayer is that your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ is strengthened by this word. God bless you. Continuing our series on 1 John, Spiritual Mentoring. Tonight, this will be number five. We're going to pick up with 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. Again, 1 John is, for all intents and purposes, a, com- a companion volume to the Gospel of John because John is writing to those who knew him well and he knew them well and he had mentored and discipled them. They had all undoubtedly read his Gospel or had heard him minister the very things that were in that Gospel as he shared his memoirs, if you wish, uh, with his walk with Jesus. And tonight I want to talk about uh, taking your spiritual temperature. I originally called this one reality testing in that testing the reality of your faith. Um, Let's read the the passage, 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. We're going to get through three whole verses tonight, yay. And by this, we, well, we've been in Acts for a year and a half, right? And we're in chapter 16. And by the way, on Sunday, uh, Pastor Jason is going to be ministering. He's going to be starting a brand new thing. And I'm not even sure what it is, but I'm sure it'll be good. All right. First John chapter 2, verse 3. And this is from the ESV. And by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. That word know right there is very important. We'll come back to it. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar. This is John the Apostle of Love being very soft and gentle and diplomatic in his preaching and teaching. Liar! Okay. Uh, Wow. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, the one keeping his word, truly The love of God is perfected, or you could say complete. By this we know, that we may know, there's that word again, we are in Him. Whoever says he abides in Him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Okay, I want to read that again. And by this we know that we have come to know Him. If we keep his commandments, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God truly is perfected. By this, we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. The word know shows up four times in three verses. How many of you think that might be significant? How many of you think when the teacher does something like that, it will be on the test? All right. The fact is that in John's day, he was already beginning to deal with a heresy called Gnosticism. Gnosticism comes from the Greek word gnosis, which means to know, to have knowledge. Okay. So he's beginning to deal with it here. Uh, It is imperative that we take into consideration, you know, that John is addressing this. Remember the four most basic rules of Bible interpretation. Who's talking? To whom is he talking? 
What's the situation in life and what do other scriptures say about it? And so what is the situation in life? Who's talking? John. To whom is he talking? His disciples, perhaps at Ephesus, but we're not absolutely certain. What is the situation in life? The Gnostic heresy is trying to come into the church and what do other scriptures say about that? Well, we're going to get into that. Some of the tenets of Gnosticism, you know, we have a tendency to think of it, well, it was an ancient heresy. It's around today. It's still with us. In fact, there's a, Gnostic, there's a couple of Gnostic churches right here in the metro area. They call themselves that. All right. Gnosticism, again, as I said a moment ago, comes from the Greek word gnosis, which means knowledge. And this was a type of knowledge. It wasn't just knowledge. You know, you go to school and you learn your ABCs or you learn your multiplication tables. That's knowledge. Oh, no, no, no. It's not that kind of knowledge. This is theme from the Twilight Zone cue. This is esoteric knowledge. This is knowledge that is beyond the material and the logical. It was spiritual knowledge of metaphysical things it came by special revelations such as dreams visions oracles and prophecy all right and there arose an elite caste of these gnostic teachers no surprise there humanity's always trying everybody's always trying to be elite all right and they were above the hoi polloi how many of you have ever heard the term hoi polloi it means the common people. It is directly from the Greek. Hoi polloi means the people in Greek. All right. They were the teachers. And they would train the newbies, the neophytes, and the plebes for a fee. And so that they would be, you know, come into this spiritism. All right. And I want you to, re to resist the urge to write these people off as fakes. Counterfeits. Yes. Fakes? No. Now, what do you mean by that? You know, some of them probably were, you know, fakes. But some of them really did have these experiences. We are seeing a resurgence in our culture as our culture moves back into paganism. We are seeing a resurgence of these occultic these Gnostic, these... Jesus warned us that there would be lying wonders. Paul did the same. So did John, that there would be lying wonders. We have to expect that. We also know that the genuine is right there as well. God will not be outdone, I assure you. All right. And in Exodus chapter 7, verse 11, we see Moses standing before Pharaoh. It says, Then Pharaoh also called for the wise men and the sorcerers, and also the magicians of Egypt. And they did the same with their secret arts. They did the same. Notice what it says. For each one threw down his staff, and those staffs turned into serpents. Now Aaron had thrown down his staff, and it became a serpent before Pharaoh to demonstrate to Pharaoh that Yahweh was with Moses and he, Yahweh, I mean he, Moses, Pharaoh, third time's a charm, right? He, Pharaoh, needed to let God's people go. But then Pharaoh goes, 
parlor. I can, okay, I want to know. How many of you close your eyes, see Pharaoh, and he looks just like Yule Burner? <laughs> you know, from the movie. Okay. And he says, parlor trick, you know, and the magicians throw down their stabs. They all become serpents. This wasn't sleight of hand. They didn't have holographic imaging and all of that kind of stuff. They actually became serpents. We will see things like this. They're already happening in some places. But look what happened next. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. His serpents swallowed up their serpents. You can look for that to happen as well. All right. They're one of the most famous um, ancient false prophets was the Apollo's oracle at Delphi. All right, you may have heard of the oracle of Death, uh, Delphi, where the Pythian uh, priestesses, one of them would get over this place, it was like a fissure from which uh, uh, apparently some sort of methane and God only knows what it was in there, she would inhale it and become intoxicated by it. She would have a drug-induced experience. And she would begin to jibber, jibber-jabber in tongues, or uh, to, uh, which is why Paul warns them, you know, in 1 Corinthians about this kind of stuff. Uh, she, or she would begin to just rant, and the other priestesses standing around would interpret them. Now, some people, uh, they would rave. Some people would say, well, you know, how accurate could that be? Apparently, it was fairly accurate, at, at least at times, because they were held in very high regard in Greece, and even the Romans paid attention later on. The, now, the, the oracle, the Apollonian El, uh, uh, oracle at Delphi ceased somewhere in the area of the 4th century B.C., but the legacy of it had outlived the oracle and was still in Corinth in the 1st century. Now, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. I'm reading now from the NAS. You know that when you were pagans, okay, that frames, remember I said a little while ago about paganism. That frames his, what he's about to say next. Remember that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the mute idols and by what, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, this has been grossly misinterpreted through the years uh, to mean that, you know, somebody says, well, I wonder, if, I wonder if this person's got a wicked spirit. You know, can you confess Jesus is Lord? Yeah, Jesus is Lord. Well, no, it says right there, you know, no, 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 no. This is, you got to remember that the cult of Dionysus and the cult of Sybil were very popular and they would have these ravings very, very similar to the ones that were, uh, that they had from the Pythian priestess uh, there at the Oracle of Delphi. And so when the and, the, and the Corinthians were so into speaking in tongues, they just, they, they were going cuckoo with it. Now it's genuine. And you might say, well, then why does, you know, and Paul even said, you know, you guys are acting like a bunch of children. 
The gift was real. What they were doing with it was wrong. All right. And they were, he said, if you walk, people, you know, if an unbeliever walks into your assembly and you're all talking in tongues, then he's going to say, you guys are nuts. You know, and there was some of that stuff going on. And they would be people who would stand up and they would. And so what, how many of you have heard of a quote unquote message in tongues? You know, and uh, the Lord's used me in that some where you give an utterance in tongues and then someone else gives the interpretation. Tongues plus interpretation is prophecy in its varied, in its different form. And so they had, you know, Paul even said, one of you has a tongue, another has an interpretation, another has a teaching. And so they had all kinds of things going on. He had to say, let it be by two or at most three, if there's no interpreter. Notice it doesn't say interpretation. It says if there's no interpreter present, because that is an actual gift that people have, you know, let the, you know, let the speaker be silent. Et they were jumping up, giving these, you know, these, these utterances in tongues. And occasionally somebody would get up and in a language they had never learned, they would say, Jesus is accursed. And people would say, why would the Holy Spirit say that? And Paul says, he wouldn't. When somebody gets up and says, Jesus is accursed, you better know that that is not the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit isn't going to do that. But if somebody gets up speaking in tongues and they say, you know, Jesus is Lord, you know, that is the Holy Spirit. I love that story. I know several stories about this, but the one that I probably like the best is where the, the story of this nurse in Africa, she was a Christian and she was on a medical mission, but she was working in a hospital and everything. And, and, and it, it had just been tough sledding. I mean, she hadn't gotten anybody saved. She hadn't, you know, been able to, and she had witnessed to people and it just wasn't like that. And she was literally in her apartment praying, God, do you want me to go home? I'm just not seeing any fruit here. Do you want me to go home? And then a floor or two above her, she heard somebody yelling, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Oh God, you are so good. She's like, ah, and so she ran upstairs and bangs on the door where the, she hears this praise coming. And the guy opens the door and starts speaking in African. He does not understand a word of English. He was praying in tongues. Amen. Harold Bredesen, who's one of the pioneers of the quote-unquote charismatic movement, had been seeking God. He was mainstream denominational. And he had been seeking God in a cabin saying, God, I'm not leaving here until I get something from you because I am hungry for more of you. I know there is more than what I have had so far. And he was seeking God and everything. And all at once he said, man, this strange language started coming out of his mouth. And he said he was so supercharged, he jumped up and ran down the road speaking in this language to a trading post that was just a, you know, a couple, three blocks down from him. And there was an old guy sitting in a rocking chair on the porch of this thing. And he said, when I came up, I'm speaking these tongues. And this guy's eyes got huge. And he started talking back to him. And finally... It became obvious they weren't communicating. And the gentleman on the, on the porch said, how is it that you speak Polish, but you don't understand it? Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. You know, 
And there was so much, there's a, uh, there's a Greek word that's a compound word. Kakos, kaka, which means bad in English and in Greek. And then, and then there is phone, which means voice. And you put the two together and you come up with our word cacophony, which means a noise that is very displeasing. It is a noise that it's irritating. It's, it's annoying. And that kind of thing was going on in Corinth, which is why Paul had to write this 1 Corinthians, a very strict letter, saying, you guys need to calm down. There are guidelines to operate in here. And he says, first, you know, I haven't lost Gnosticism because it's all flowing in the same direction. 1 Corinthians 13 and 1, if I speak with the tongue of men and angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, which was one of the ways that those people would work themselves, those pagans would work themselves into a frenzy, was banging the gong or crashing a cymbal over and over, and people just would, it was Dionysian, they would go crazy, all right, get into this frenzy. For the Gnostics, who would approve of all of these things, though, they would say that knowledge, remember, gnosis, is itself salvation. Knowing is enough. And it fueled their drive for greater and greater revelations and experiences. The problem, other than the fact that it wasn't centered in Jesus, was it would have no impact at all on their character. In other words, they, did not, they were not transformed. In fact, if anything, they became more puffed up. Again, let's look at verse 3. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. To know him is to have an intimate knowledge of God. Not a philosophical one, merely philosophical at least, or even in a religious sense. And the verb tense indicates a continuing knowledge and a continuing effect. Are you aware of the fact that it is completely possible to know all about God without really knowing God himself? One of the problems of the Galatians, he said, now that you've come to know God, or rather to know about God, or to be known by God, all right, it is possible to know a lot about God, but not know him. Case in point, the Pharisees. They knew a lot about God. They knew all the theology, but um, in many of them, it had absolutely zero impact on them and their lives. They were still thieves. They were still fornicators. That's why Jesus even said to them, you know, on the outside, you're just like whitewashed tomb. On the outside, you're all pretty and gussied up and all this, but on the inside, you are just full of dead men's bones. There's another, how to win friends and influence people. You know, you know, I, this, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the Super Bowl uh, commercial. He gets us, you know, and a lot of guys are saying, you know what? That's not the G Jesus more than gets us. We, he, he comes after us and we're supposed to get him. Amen. And so these Pharisees knew 
the theology, but what they figured out was how to, how to fornicate and how to steal and to do legal works around that made it okay. That's, that's, the way they, you know, that's the way they did it. Remember, woe to you scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. In other words, you own the house, you're the one foreclosing, you're the one kicking her out, and you're standing out there in the street as the sheriff and, and, and U-Haul moves all her stuff out into the street going, oh God, please help this poor widow. Mm. Special level of hell for somebody like that, I do believe. All right. So when they were doing all these workarounds, they created traditions so that they could remain religiously blameless. I mean, Paul was wasting the church. He said so himself. And in Philippians 3, 4 through 6, he says, all that, I'm talking about, what, are you talking about Gnostics? I'm talking about people who have knowledge but no faith. Knowledge but no experience with God. No relationship. Uh, he said, although I myself might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. <laughs> Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to write the righteousness which is found in the law. Next word, blameless. Why? Because he kept the law? No, because he, they had hundreds of workarounds. Hundreds of workarounds. All right? They, they knew how to do it. For the Gnostics, again, they thought that this knowledge was enough. Look at Philippians, you know, but in Philippians, well, nah, we won't. We'll do, we won't go there. We'll just say, remember that in 1 Timothy 1 and 15, Paul refers to himself as the chief of sinners. Once he connected... Once Jesus slapped him off his donkey. Amen. And Jeremiah. I'm reading in Yeremiahu right now. And he laments the way Judah follows after false prophecy. False dreams. You know Paul talks about. You know people taking their stand on visions they have King James Version puts the word not in there as I recall visions they have not seen but that word is not in the Greek these people have seen these visions they have had these experiences and but they are experiences which have no basis in God it is so easy we see it today in our own culture big talk big experiences you know, when you get up, you know, what was it I heard again? Uh, I heard a preacher one time say, you know, when you have these, you know, when you, when you emphasize the supernatural, which is important, but it's not the important thing. The most important thing is the scripture and it's faith. And the supernatural, the signs follow that, Right. And he says, but when you come in and you, you're, you're going to, and you're just, and not, not even healing necessary, just like that, he says, you get granola Christians, nuts, fruits, and flakes. And that is actually true, all right? And 
You get up and start talking about your experience. Oh, and the Lord shows me this, and the Lord shows me that, and the Lord shows me something else. And I was watching somebody this week, you know, somebody put me on to someone, and I, you know, I, I said to a couple of guys, I've got a real problem with people who say, oh, I've, I really feel the Lord on me now. I really feel this is an unction from God. This is real. Like, it's like, dude, you don't have to advertise it. Just say it. Whatever it is. If you need to convince us that this is the Holy Spirit, something's wrong. We are the ones who are supposed to have discernment about that. We're to compare it with Scripture. We're to check with the Spirit that dwells in us because the same Spirit dwells in us who's apparently or supposedly anointing you. And we see a lot of these YouTube prophets, as I like to call them, and that has caught on. I'm sure I'm not the only one who does that, you know. But... They have these meetings and they and they and it's all prophetic. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. You know, we were, ta- <laughs> we were t- Gene and I were talking about this the other day about how before the 2020 election and now we're supposed to have a do over. Uh, careful there. Um, the uh, that uh, so many people were prophesying that Mr. Trump was going to win. And then afterwards, some of them said I was wrong. Some of them said, no, he actually did win, but, etc. I didn't hear anybody prophesying before the election, they're going to steal it! They're going to steal it! Pray! You know, and that was such a prominent feature, the fuss, whether you believe it was stolen or not, I'm not making a case either way. But if that was going to be such a prominent feature, how come the Holy Spirit didn't show you that? I know we know in part. I know we prophesy in part. But when we say certain things are going to happen and they don't, we've got to deal with that. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 4. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. It's not big, impressive experiences. That's not the acid test. How many angels you've seen. How many dreams you've had? How many people over whom you've prophesied? It's character. It's Christian character. Holiness. Love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness. And self-control. If we have the light in us, the, that's what Paul, I mean, I keep saying Paul. Uh, John was saying, He's talking about God is light. If we've got the light in us, you know, and John is saying, I don't care what they say. I don't care what experience they tout. Even if they've been right. If there's no character, there is no Holy Spirit. Remember the altar call of the Sermon on the Mount. When we got the white, you know, when, when he says... You know, they said, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your streets? Did we not, you know, prophesy in your name? Did we not heal the sick? He said, depart from me. You know, I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness, you lawless ones. Who was he talking about? He was, if you back up a few verses, you'll see he is talking about false prophets. Of which the scripture says, in the last days, they will abound. Gnostics. I am, oh man, I've got so much knowledge. 
let me share some of my knowledge with you. That'll be $300. You know, make your check payable to Mr. Big Head, whatever, you know. All of the, you know, in fact, um, we'll, we'll, I quoted this virtually a minute ago, but uh, Colossians 2.18. Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize. What does he mean by that? You know, it's so easy to begin to feel like, well, you know, I don't have visions. I don't have dreams. I don't have, I've never had an audible voice speak. Pastors had a couple of bit visions and he's had multiple dreams and on three or four occasions he's had an audible voice speak to him. That's true, I have. And they said, that voice said such profound things as, go to school here next semester. Pick up this hitchhiker. I mean, earth-shaking stuff. I'm going, to, I'm going to start an entire cult on hitchhiker-picking-upping. You know, Larry's going to do that, you know. So, let's go back to this. Don't let anybody keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement and the worship of angels and taking his stand on visions he has seen inflated without cause by his fleshly mind and, and I would make that an adversative, but not holding fast to the head from whom the entire body being supplied and held together by the joints and the ligaments grows with a growth which is from God. We are not to accept anything uncritically. This video that somebody put me onto, I was watching it and I was as I was watching it I was going, okay, okay, okay. Now, I chuckled to myself because 25 or 30 years ago, I probably would have got sucked in. Well, hell, this has to be God. I remember when John Hinkle, that pastor out in California, went on TBN and said, on Thursday, June the 9th, he said, I heard the voice of God woke me up on Thursday, June the 9th. I think I've got that right. I'm going to rip the evil from the earth. Yes! I wonder who I know is going to be missing. You know, and a lot of the government, we're, we got a problem. And so, and so when, when he, he went on TBN, Paul Crouch had him on, you know, and he talked, and they talked to him three or four times about it, and this became, and that was, I can't remember what the day was, you can Google it, it'll bring it up, you know, and he was a, I'm not casting aspersions on the man, I think he had, I think he was, I think he was born again, I think he, but, but he didn't sort through this, and it goes out, whole churches were splitting over this revelation about on Thursday, June the 9th, I'm going to rip. And Thursday, June the 9th came and went. And evil is still here. Boy, are we well aware of that. All right. And yet even somebody, and I won't you know, call names because I don't want to you know, denigrate anybody, but a very well-known Christian broadcaster came on and said, it, some figured out how that it had happened in this small island somewhere, you know. Lord. All right. If you've never seen an angel, if you've never 
had a vision. If you've never had a spiritual dream, if you have never heard an audible voice, if you've never been reading the scriptures and had one of them go ah to you as the Holy Spirit, you know, quickens you to that. And all of those are valid experiences. I've had them all. But if you've never had that, that doesn't make you a second-class Christian, and it doesn't mean you don't know as much as I do simply because you have not had those experiences. Turn to your neighbor and say, good preaching. Hallelujah. And John didn't want them to be... <laughs> How many of you remember Clara Peller? How many of you remember that name? Clara Peller. She was... Very pot, an older woman. I don't. I don't know how much money she got paid for this, but she probably didn't live long enough to sp spend it much of it. She probably gave it all to her grandchildren, grandchildren, children. But in 1984, she and a couple other ladies are inspecting a hamburger, and they're saying, "Oh, that's a very big bun. Yes, it's a very fluffy bun. Oh, it's a big fluffy bun." And they open it up, and there's Clara Peller says, where's the beef? Remember that? Where's the beef? Because on there was a beef patty about the size of a pickle slice. You know, where's the beef? That became really big in our culture for a long time when people said, you know, I want to know where the rubber meets were. Where's the beef? You know, well, that's what John's asking. Where's the fruit? Somebody gives this huge testimony. You know, the fact of the matter is, when it comes, you know, and I'm talking to you people who are watching by web, you don't know me. All you know about me, unless you do know me, <laughs> those of you who are on the other side of the world, you know, with my congregation, I live day in and day out before them. They see my life. They know me. They talk to me. But you, you can't do that. All you can do is listen to your spirit and realize that anything that come up, comes out of my mouth has to be weighed. It has to be assayed. It has to be, it has to be discerned. You know, we see people on TV preaching and everything, and they talk about these gigantic experiences. And maybe they had them. Maybe they didn't. And even if they did, they might not mean anything. John 15, again, this is the companion. First John is the companion. John 15, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. If there is no change in character, if there is not that increase of love, and mercy. Remember that's I just named off the ninefold fruit of the Spirit a moment ago. But remember, it's not it's ninefold, but it's sing, fruit is singular in the Greek. It's not fruits, it's fruit. It's one fruit. Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Like a grapefruit, we call it one grapefruit, but it's got a lot of sections. This section is joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness is humility, and everybody's favorite, self-control. If I have no self-control, well, anyway. 
It's not, we're not to just take their word for it. We're fruit inspectors. That's what Jesus said. You'll know them by their fruits. We're to observe and test. That's my point to those of you who are, we, we have people who watch us in other countries and I appreciate you and, I, and, and we, we pray for you. We hope you're praying for us. And I, like Paul, would say to you, I tell the truth in Christ and lie not. But I don't expect you to accept anything I say uncritically. I've talked about how I saw the acceleration. I talked about how the Lord spoke to me and said, you know, the world around you is about to change. I shared that with my congregation six months before the COVID lockdown. And so they saw it. I shared with this congregation what the Lord said to me back in September of 2002 about I weep for my people who are about to be left behind. The things that God has shared with me. But you need to, we need to be, we need to be discerning. We need to be, we, we need to follow our spirit. And, and, and if we're not bearing fruit, we got to ask why. Because God certainly does. Second Corinthians, again, reality testing. Taking your spiritual temperature. Second uh, Corinthians 13 and 5, Paul says this. Test yourselves. See if you're in the faith. Examine yourselves. Now, this doesn't go, mean to go on a self-condemnation witch hunt. But it does mean to be realistic. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? Christ-like character, we grow in that. It's like we, you know, when somebody gets born again and we expect them to turn into a spiritual giant overnight. No, we grow spiritually. We start off, start off, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, rather, chapter 2 and 3, when he's addressing this too. He said, you're walking like mere men as infants in Christ because of the strife. It's kind of like, you know, you come to church, you drop your seven-year-old off at the children's church, and then you heard the children's ministries, and when you come back there, Pastor Lindsay comes and says, little Bobby got born again today. He gave his heart to Jesus. And then we go, yes, like this, and you go home. And Bobby and his brother and sister go outside to play with the other kids. And one of the other kids comes running in and says, Bobby hit me in the head with a, sock, with a snowball. You don't say, and I hear I thought he got saved. <laughs> no, you don't do that. Why? Because he's still a kid. Yeah, he got saved. He's born again. That's a better term. Born again. Over the next several years, he's going to get saved by that engrafted word, as, as uh, James tells us. All right. Again, back to chapter 2, verse 6. Whoever says he abides in him, oh, we just read that, ought to walk in the same way he also walked. Now, this is a characteristic. I use that word character. What is a characteristic? A characteristic is something that is endemic to that individual or that species. It is a characteristic of birds, ostriches notwithstanding, to fly. It's characteristics of dogs to bark. It's characteristics of cats to ignore everybody. It is, you know, it is, I know there are cats that are exceptions. 
I just, I couldn't, I had an opportunity to take a shot and I was going to. All right. It is characteristic of fish to swim. It is a characteristic of the believer to bear fruit and to become increasingly Christ-like in our walk. And if we say we have knowledge and we don't see that happening, Paul's saying these, I mean, John is saying to the, his disciples, you see these people come in and they talk about all these experiences, but where's the beef? Where's the beef? All right. In fact, uh, in 2 John, Verses 1 through 3, when he addresses, he says, The elder to the chosen lady. Chosen lady is most likely not an individual. It is, he's referring to the, the church and her children, the bride of Christ, and her children, whom I love in truth. And not only I, but also all who know the truth. For the sake of the truth which abides in us and will be in us forever, grace Mercy and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. His grace, His anointing, His love, He the light dwelling within us, His mercy. Well, we wouldn't need mercy if we were perfect, would we? And then His peace, not turmoil, not wondering, not commiserating, not fretting. We are not sin conscious we are now God inside conscious John chapter 14 verse 15 if you love me you will keep my commandments do not stand this scripture on its head alright don't say if you keep my commandments then you will love me now, you'll, you'll get where I'm going here in just a minute. No, he says, if you really love me, then you'll do what I say. Because you'll believe me, all right? And he's simply saying, if you love me, you'll follow me. That's really pretty simple. And then we go, let's flip the numbers from John 14, 15 to John 15, 14. John 15, verse 14. And he says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Most people do stand that one on their head and say, I am your friend if you do what I command you. That is not what he said. You are my friends. You show yourselves to be my friends if you walk in obedience. He is our friend irrespective. All right, how many of you are with me there? But we read that and go, oh man, you're, I'm your friend if you do what I command you. No, 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 no. Salvation by faith alone. Sola fide, sola scriptura, sola, you know, gracia, the whole bit. The soul, the five solas. All right. So, you can know. 1 John chapter 2, verse 5. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know. That we are in him. Doesn't mean I'm perfect. I am not perfect. I've been married to my wife 48 years today. And somebody said congratulations. I said she is the one. Who will receive the Congressional Medal of Honor. <laughs> not me. And she will. I can tell you she has grown. A lot spiritually. 
in the last 48 years. And I am not taking credit for that. I have grown a lot spiritually in the last 48 years. She has had a hand in that, but I would say it's mostly Jesus. Amen. All right. And, you know, we're, it, it, it is, we're, we're all works in progress. Some of us are more pro progressed than others. All right. And, you know, if you want to please, this is what John is saying. If you really want to please the Lord, the fruit, well, we just got through talking about you. The fruit, but we were saying good things. Uh, the fruit will, you know, it will produce fruit in you. The new birth itself will produce some change. change. And by this we know. What did Paul say? The Spirit himself, Romans 8, uh, 16. By this we know, you know, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now in verse 14, he said, as many as are led by the Spirit, you know, these are the sons of God. That is a different word. Not children, sons. Sons are mature, developed. That word means mature, developed, adult, offspring. But when he gets down to verse 16, he uses a different word for children, which can be applied even to, to a baby in the crib. And he says, but he says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Dream or no dream, vision or no vision, voice or no voice, hot flash or no hot flash. Amen. You know, fruit. Even if it's just a bud, even if it's the flower, the flower eventually produces, the, you've got the bud, then you've got the flower, and then the fruit. It's all about God in you, God in me. That's what he's saying, the light within us. It's about loving him and focusing on him, not on experiences, but on him. I, you know, but I know, you know, that when they have, I can remember back in the day when they had prophets traveling around in the charismatic movement and people would go to these meetings and they'd have notebooks and they would write down because you probably couldn't get a cassette tape. This was before CDs. You know, you couldn't get a cassette, you know, you might be able to get one, you know, where your, your word was, you know, and everybody went to the meeting to get a word, you know. Now, personal prophecy is valid. It is real. It does happen. I, I believe that. But I also believe that that's as the spirit wills. And it gets to the point that people were just hopping from meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting. And they'd have a book full of the prophetic, in scare quotes, words that they would receive. Would they read the Bible? No, they read these words. Well, now wait a minute. Paul does say to Timothy to fight the good fight of faith by the prophetic utterances which were spoken over him. But he also says to study to show yourself approved, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. That's where the real power is. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, if our musicians would come. It's, you know, that's how we know whether we've had a vision or not, whether we've had an audible voice or not, whether we've ever had a personal prophecy. I used to just absolutely, 
I go home from meetings, big meetings, almost weeping because the man of God who oftentimes stood in, in the prophetic office would prophesy, call people out and prophesy over them. And I never got one. Not even once. In fact, uh, first time I remember getting a prophetic word like that, I was being chewed out. I'm serious. It was Mom Goodwin talking to me in tongues and her son, Charles David, sitting right next to her. And when he interpreted, it's like, it'll be. Oh, it was dead on the money, you know. But she, you know, not she, the Lord through her, jerked me up straight in front of a room full of people. You know, God's a little bit like my mama. You know, usually he won't embarrass you. I wasn't embarrassed because, you know, it was so it was so real. And that was just before we moved up here. You know, even if you've never you've you've never had a personal prophecy, even if you've never seen an angel, even if in the worship service people say, oh, wasn't the presence of God just wonderful. And you're going, I don't feel nothing. I'm serious. I've been in worship services where everybody's going, oh, it's the presence of God was so strong. Like this. And I'm going, mm, if you say so. And that doesn't mean that they're wrong. It just means I didn't feel anything. I didn't sense anything. There are a lot of worship services going on in some of these very well produced things that are producing emotional, soulish manifestations and there is no spirit in it whatsoever. And I, in fact, I won't call the church, but many of you would know it. If I, and I was talking to uh, Richie Ray who has gone to be with, with the Lord, but Richie was saying he went out there with his daughter to talk to them about maybe going to school there. And she said they prophesied over. She, she said she went back to, you know, to, for her interview. And there were two young women in there who were like second or third year students who just prophesied over back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, you know. And Richie asked her, he said, well, were they on? She goes, no. And then they said, give us a word. Give, give us a prophetic word. She says, I don't have anything. And she said, oh, they're sure you do. No, I don't. I, yeah, anybody. You can all prophesy. Prophesy to me. Okay. But she went, I'm sorry. I don't have anything. Richie trained her. And she came. And then she said, you know what? I don't think this school is for me. And she came home and got a call from, again, I could call a name. Her husband wrote a book and wanted her to prophesy to her over the phone. And she said, ma'am, I'm sorry. We just have a difference of opinion the way God works with this stuff. And her husband wrote a book called Treasure Hunt. Yeah, his name's Kevin Dedman. And in his book, he's training people how to move in word of knowledge. And I could give you the page number, if you wish, where he's training these people and he says to this guy, okay, and he was an elder in the church. He said, now give a, give, a, give a word of knowledge for somebody here. And he said, I don't have anything. And he said, sure you do. 
it's in you. He goes, no, I don't. I don't have anything. He says, you do. He said, no, sir, I honestly don't. What he said next is enough to make me cringe. He said, make something up. It's in the book. He wrote it in his book, told on himself. Make something up. And so the guy goes, oh, there's somebody here with name some ailment. And somebody in the back goes, that's me. Well, you have a big enough crowd, you're going to, you know. And you start doing stuff like that, you are going, opening the door to familiar spirits to come in and start holding high carnival. But you will be in demand because of your revelation. If you've never had a goosebump, you've never had a chill, don't worry about it. Character. We're not going to stand up before the throne and God say, man, you had some great experiences, didn't you? I saw you fall out. I saw you get the jerks. I saw you do, you know, I saw you, you know, crying in tongues and all that. Some of those things, and I'm not saying that they're not genuine, I'm just, or couldn't happen, but I'm saying there is no salvation in any of that. Everybody still love me. And John is saying, where's the beef? Where's the fruit? Because it's that truth, you know the truth, and that truth will set you free. It'll make you free. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Those of you watching by web, Thank you for joining us tonight. We are coming, we are, the events here in the Kansas City area today just underscore what Paul said in 2 Timothy 3 and 2. Then the last days, dangerous, perilous, savage times will come. Violent. And this is a day that we individually and corporately as a people need to walk with God more closely than ever before. Going back to the word I just shared a moment ago about how the Lord spoke to me in September of 2002. One year, almost to the day after 9-11, I weep for my people who are about to be left behind. I, I want to keep up. I want to be right there with God. I want to be right there with Jesus because God is moving. And I'll be right there with Him. And I'm not going to get caught up in visions and dreams and prophetic utterances. All of those things are valid. Joel 2.28, Acts chapter 2 confirms it. They're valid. But it's as the Spirit wills. And I can't make it happen and I'm not going to commiserate over it. He does say, covet earnestly the greater gifts, but he's saying that within the corporate context. And we're believing for that. We're believing for the, re we're believing for the genuine, not the false, the real deal, not the, the showmanship. And we serve a genuine God. If you do not know Jesus of Nazareth as your Lord and your Savior, the first step into greater things and knowing knowledge, true knowledge, experiential knowledge, intimate knowledge of God is to be born again. And the way you do that is you cry out to the Father and you say, I repent, Lord. I repent. I believe with my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus is your son and you have raised him from the dead. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I repent. 
come into my heart. I surrender. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. It's not a simple prayer, merely a simple prayer. It is a surrender. You lay your whole life at his feet. Scripture says you will be born again. Doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, who you've been with, how long you did it. He will in no wise cast you out. And your sins will be washed white as snow, expiated. It'll, you'll be justified by faith, just as if I'd never sinned. Believers watching this, don't worry about experiences. If you have them, wonderful. If you don't, wonderful. Because God is not an experience. He's a person and he lives inside of you. Walk close, very closely with him and let and abide in him and let that fruit truly begin to manifest in your life. Hallelujah. We hope this message has been a great blessing to you and has helped build your faith in Jesus. We encourage you to visit our app, Independence Christian Center, on your cell phone available from the Apple App Store or Android, Google Play. You can also find us on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon, YouTube, and Facebook, again, under Independence Christian Center, or at our website, iccfamily, all one word, dot O-R-G, iccfamily.org. Our heart's desire here is to labor with the Lord in building His body. Until next time, may God's very best be yours.